Well, welcome back. We are going to be back in the book of Jonah uh, with lesson four of our lessons in obedience. Uh, Jonah is still on the ship for now and still running away from God, but uh, we are going to hopefully see today, uh, well, we're not going to see a change in him today, but we are going to see uh, some lessons for us as we uh, continue to walk through this world and learn how to walk uh, by faith with God. So, Jonah chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse number 11 and read through the end of the chapter. So, Jonah chapter 1, and verse number 11 says, Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the mere men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and the Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Let's pray. <coughs> Excuse me. Father God, we love you. Oh, we thank you. Uh, for this glorious day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to learn from others' mistakes. God, I pray that we would learn from Jonah's mistakes, or that we would not have to uh, suffer these things ourselves, that we would have soft hearts, and that you would teach us today. So God, please guide and direct. Uh, please be with me today. Uh, my mind is all jumbled. Please help me to focus and help your truth to go out uh, in a pure and simple fashion. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we talked a little bit last week. Uh, we hit on this a little bit about Jonah. Uh, the men are, are seeking the Lord. They're seeking to figure out how to save themselves, how to save the ship. And Jonah wants to just... He wants to die. He, 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 instead of telling them to turn around and go back, uh, instead of putting him in a lifeboat and sending him back, uh, all of these things, these other options that he could have done and would have stopped the storm and saved everyone on board and put him back in the will of God, he tells them to commit murder. And it's his dying wish. Uh, he hates so much the Ninevites, the, Samarit or the, the Assyrians, that he just wants to die. He knows that he's caught. But he's still trying to escape. But Jonah isn't man enough to throw himself overboard. He could have simply said, it's me, jumped overboard, and been done. He makes these men commit murder. And we talked a little bit last week about how these mariners, who are a picture of the world, of, of unbelievers, are more righteous than Jonah, who is a prophet of God. These men are still trying to row to shore. They, they still care more about Jonah than he does for them. 
they're still fighting to get the boat to shore. They're more a picture of Christ than the prophet of God. I hate that the world is is that way sometimes. We don't have to look very far uh, to see hypocrites in the church. And that was one of the things that took me out of church as a young man was seeing the hypocrites and, and not understanding completely that I are one. That I'm just as bad as everybody else. And I want to be just completely honest with all of you. I'm not perfect, and you know I'm not. Don't take what I say as truth. Study it for yourself. But these men are are still seeking to save to save Jonah and we see a prayer here but not from the person that we should Jonah still has refused to speak to God he has refused to seek forgiveness but the mariners here have a very personal prayer with the Lord in verse number 14 wherefore they cried unto the Lord and notice uh, I hope that your Bible is just like mine. That word Lord is in all capital letters. Again, that is the personal name of God. He said, Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. They are crying unto God. They are seeking forgiveness from sin. They are seeking salvation from punishment. They are seeking the Lord. What a picture. What a picture of salvation. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see these men in heaven when we get there. The Old Testament saints had to be saved just like we do. They had to place their faith in God and His Word. And these men certainly fit the bill. So, are these now disciples? Are these now men that are going to serve the Lord? I don't know. They sure don't have a picture of God from the prophet that's on board with them. But after this prayer, after seeking forgiveness for what they're about to do, they go ahead and they throw Jonah overboard. Enough is enough. And Jonah has to take a swim. Again, don't ever forget that Jonah is still trying to escape. He has essentially committed suicide at the hands of these men. He is doing everything that he can to run from God. And as soon as he's off the ship, the storm ceases. Again, we see this supernatural stop to the storm. The sea's calm. They're fine. There's no more danger. They've still lost all of their livelihood. They've thrown it all overboard. They can't ever get that back. But they're going to get home safely. 
And because of the supernatural nature of this, we see that these men begin to become very fearful of the Lord. They have now seen His true power. And this is another example of why I think these men might end up in heaven with us. They immediately and exceedingly fear God. They begin to offer sacrifices to Him. And they make vows. They were thankful. In Genesis 8, we see Noah coming out of the storm. God has released, uh, has stopped the rain. He's uh, ceased the flood. Now he's told Noah to, to leave the ship or to leave the ark. And Noah immediately offers sacrifice. And the Lord smells a sweet savor. And he makes that promise with Noah that he will never again flood, destroy the earth with a flood. These men are sacrificing unto a God that they didn't know until Jonah showed up. You know, it's interesting that even the poor examples can change hearts. And we're going to see Jonah, as he does finally make it to Nineveh, puts very little effort into what God wants him to do. And the entire city is saved. But this is not an excuse. I think we talked about it before a couple of weeks ago, but imagine how effective Jonah could have been if he had actually done what God asked him to do from the beginning. Now, these men never would have would have known Jonah. And that's where Romans 8.28 comes in. You know, Romans 8.28, For all things work together for good to them that know God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. We're all, the whole world is called according to God's purpose. It's called to salvation. That's God's purpose. That was Christ's purpose on this earth. And God's plan is for all of these things to work together for good. It's our decisions. Again, back to our Sunday school lesson. It's our responsibility to see them as good. So we can see in Jonah chapter 1 that Jonah disobeyed God and he ran away and, and he commits suicide and, and he's now uh, being been swallowed by a great fish. But God worked it out so that the mariners could be saved. Now, Jonah has no idea about this. Jonah never sees it. It's a great reminder for us that we're not going to see all the people that are affected by our lives. We all go through storms and we all go through trials and we all make good and bad decisions, but we don't know all of the people that are affected by that. And then there's a great fish. Now, Christ calls it a whale. There, will, there are people that will argue with you that this fish never existed, that it couldn't exist. It's not possible for this to have happened because they see it as a fish. Because they see whales as mammals. You guys 
Do you guys know the definition of a mammal? Breathes air with lungs, has live babies, not eggs, and nurses with milk. Whales don't nurse with milk, but whales don't match up with what fish are. Because our world has split things up differently than the way God does. In Genesis, God says, creatures of the sea. Genesis chapter 1. This is one of those, oh, this just happened, instead of, I should have thought of this last night. In verse number... Yeah, 20. Verse number 20. And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath, li hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created whales and every living creature that moveth which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. And fill the waters of the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth, and the evening and the morning were the fifth day. So we have fowls, we have creatures of the sea, we have uh, the beasts of the field, um, and then we have humans. That's really the only categories. When God looks, categorized the animals, he put a jellyfish and a squid with uh, a whale and a seahorse. There's no difference. They all live in the sea. It's man that's confused all of this. But Jesus, speaking of this time with Jonah, uh, calls it a whale. So I'm going to call it a whale. But verse number 17 is interesting. It says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The Lord had already done it. God knew what was going to happen. And God knew what it was going to take for Jonah to obey and to turn and do what he needed to do. So many things in our lives we look at as coincidence, as they just happen. Um, Wednesday was it Wednesday anyway one day this week a uh, young man brought in his truck at the end of the day and I helped him take the tire off and got it fixed it must have been Thursday got it fixed on Friday and he helped him put it back on and uh, this is something that he had been dealing with for weeks putting air in over and over and over and every morning putting air in and thankfully we were able to take care of that before anything catastrophic had happened but had this young man been driving down the road and all of a sudden had a blowout and lost the tire and 
put the truck in the ditch, his first thought probably wouldn't have been, you know, that's my fault. That, that's the tire that, that I should have gotten fixed three weeks ago. His first thought would have been, man, why'd that happen today? What a coincidence that all of a sudden, blow up. I, I told you the story last week about going to Tennessee and or going to West Virginia and ending up in Tennessee. And uh, I know if I would have paid attention that there were many signs that I was going to have trouble with my truck. There were many things that I could have... One is the blue emblem on the front of the truck. I know Brother Jesse's a Ford guy, but, you know, Ford is an acronym. It's found on road dead. Sorry. I love that truck. I, I hate that truck, but I love that truck. I've been trying to kill that truck to make it die, and it just won't. I can't kill it. I don't know what it is. It's the truck that God wants me to have. But there are many signs that I could have looked at, and there are many signs in it now that I can look at and say, okay, I'm going to have problems with this. I'm going to have problems with this. I should probably do some preventative maintenance to fix this issue before we have a catastrophic failure. The thing is, God sees it all. And he knew that Jonah was going to have a catastrophic failure and he was going to have a meltdown and he was going to run away and he was going to have to be thrown overboard. He had already been doing things in the mariners' lives to get them prepared to know and understand who he is. He had already been doing things in the world, in the ocean, to get the fish prepared, the whale prepared to swallow up Jonah and take him back. He knows exactly what we need before we ever need it. And he's already prepared it for us. Matthew 6. We're not going to jump around too much in Scripture today. But Matthew 6. Matthew 6 and verse number 24. It says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Yet ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say unto you, Take no thought of your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. 
But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Take no thought for tomorrow. Take no thought for your life. What shall ye eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body? Just have faith. I know I've asked many times what we're holding back in our lives that are keeping us from serving God to our full potential. Uh, we talked, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago about the, the lack of faith that is keeping us from, from doing greater works than what Christ himself did. He said, Christ said, if you have faith, you will do greater works than these things that I do. And yet, we don't. We worry, we struggle, we toil. Uh, Rachel and I, Friday night, drove from Marshalltown to Ames, making a menu, trying to be prepared for the next week so we could have meals ready and things could go smoothly, and I guarantee they're not going to go smoothly. Something's going to happen. And that affects us, and it changes us, and it, it frustrates us. I, I got up this morning, and this is not a complaint. This is not, this is just an example. I got up this morning. I had printed the bulletins last night, uh, printed off a certain number. I got up, went in. They're on the printer. I bring them out here. I'm folding them, and I realize I'm missing three world i went back and looked and it, the printer says still retrieving data which is what it says before it prints so it sat all night trying to print something that it already printed nine copies of because it couldn't remember what it was its technology it couldn't remember what it was supposed to print so then i had to start all over and reprint and and do all these things and, and it started to frustrate me because it should have been done already should have already been taken care of We have all of these things in our lives that, that affect us, that frustrate us, that, that hurt us, and we don't see that God has already prepared the answer. My, my pastor in Missouri, we often would talk about presence. Um, I don't know. We, I liked to, to compare the gift of salvation to gifts under a Christmas tree. When I, when I talk to kids, that that gift is there, it's prepared for you, it has your name on it, it's all wrapped, it's pretty, it's beautiful, it's yours, but it's not yours until you take it and you open it and you use it. And as I'm talking to, to Pastor Blaze one day about all this, explaining it, he says, you know, I wonder how many presents we'll see in heaven that God had prepared for us that we refuse to open because we refuse to walk through a door, because we refuse to have faith. How many things are going to be sitting there waiting, us, waiting for us going, that could have been yours. That blessing could have been yours. You just 
didn't ask. He didn't seek. Jonah could have seen so much more. We don't hear from Jonah after the book of Jonah. We don't hear from him again. He's quoted by Christ, or his this incident is quoted by Christ. He's quoted in the book of Kings, but that's all we know of. There are people in this Bible that are not named that we know more about, and we never know their name. Jonah, I believe, was far from the end of his life at the end of chapter 4. Yet, nothing more is done. Nothing more for God. But the Lord had prepared a great fish. God knows exactly what we need. We just need to have faith and trust and obey. That's all faith is. It's simply trusting and obeying. It's it's an emotion and an action. Jonah is now on a slow swim back to shore. We were talking about Truly and, and her husband flying to South Carolina, talk about economy class seating. At least they didn't have to go all the way there in the belly of a goat or something. He's going to sit for three days and three nights in this whale's belly. Again, that three days and three nights. This new beginning. It's always a picture of a new beginning. But... It's interesting that Jonah still has not spoken to God. He's not sought God's face. We're going to see that in chapter 2. Verse 1 of chapter 2 is Jonah prayed. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord. He didn't pray until he was dead. And we're going to see that. As, as we look through, we're going to see Jonah die and go to hell and then begin to pray to God because he realizes just where he's at. And I wish I could say that well, God does. He, he brings him back. We know that he brings him back, that the whale vomits him up onto the shore and that he, he does preach to Nineveh. But I wish I could say that it changed his heart. Some of us have to be burnt more than once. I, as I was, I told you about my thumb, and I told the boys, I said, "That's why you don't put your hand anywhere close to what you're working on." I said, "Because stuff like that happens all the time," and I know that. I've known that for thirty years. Do you think I do it every time? No. Sometimes you have to get stung to learn to stay away from bees again. The mariners have learned and are now sacrificing to God. They've prayed and they're, they're, they're fearing the Lord. They, they are at that beginning of wisdom. 
where the Lord can work with them. But Jonah is still, is still silent. What's it going to take to make us cry out? What's it going to take for us to change our course? To get back to being right where we're supposed to be. I mean, we looked at Israel this morning and uh, how they're out of the will of God and life is hard for them because God is, is allowing them to be tried. He's allowing them to be beaten up. He's taking them into captivity. He's, he's not blessing them the way that he was because they've walked away. We talked about the prodigal son a couple of weeks ago. How he, he basically told his father to die because he wanted what, he, what was supposed to be his before it was time. And then he goes away and sure, he enjoys it for a while. But then he's fighting the pigs for food. He's living in squalor. What is it going to take for us to get a hold of this idea of just walking every day by faith seeking God at every turn saying Lord what would you have me to do what is it going to take to turn us from the one talent the man with one talent who hid his talent in the earth and and is cast out as an unprofitable servant into the man that, that got five and gained five more to get us in the same mindset of God to where we just know what he's going to do. We know what he needs. We know what he wants. What is it going to take? A little bit of a short message today finishing up Jonah chapter 1. But I didn't want to jump into Jonah chapter 2 and and start on this prayer because there is a lot here that is just sad. Sad that a Christian, that that, that a, a prophet of God would have to come to this point in order to serve. Sad that that's what it takes in our lives. So, We're going to pray, and then we'll be dismissed here today. But what does it take in your life for God to get a hold of you, for God to get what he needs from you? What does it take?